Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the NFL Universe. I am joined by Matt today. What's up? And Max. Hello, everybody. And not to waste any time, we had a really exciting week of wildcard football, uh, playoff football, and first games going right into it. We had the Bills versus the Colts. Uh, Colts, I think, showed up, but they didn't come out with the win. Bills take the game 27-24. to 24. Um, you know, I thought this game was a really, really close game, and I thought the Colts kind of played their best football, but it just wasn't enough. I think Phillip Rivers had a solid game. Uh, 46 pass attempts, which is a lot for him, particularly 390 yards for touchdowns. I don't think Phillip Rivers was too terrible in this game. And obviously, with his contract expiring, only being one year, he has a decision to make whether he's going to retire or try and extend. Likely with the Colts, I don't know what the Colts really move is. You know, they, they may sign, they, they may re-sign Phillip Rivers because I think he performed decently in this game. And I think throughout the entire year, he showed that he can be a capable quarterback, but I don't know if he's the right quarterback to get them over the hump, and I've been saying that all year. Uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor, solid game out of him, 21 carries, 78 yards, a touchdown. He did, did what he had to do. I thought Michael Pittman Jr. was pretty good in this game. I thought he, I thought he really stepped up as a rookie. Um, 90 yards, zero touchdowns, even though I think she should have had one in the back left corner of the end zone. I believe it was in the, in the first half. Uh, it was a little bit of a crossing route. You saw Michael Pittman get open in the back left corner. Phillip Harris kind of overthrew him. Uh, Pittman kind of dropped it, so that was a pretty big loss for them, obviously. He makes that catch, the touchdown, like at the score, 27-24. That's the game. Um, I thought defensively, I thought the, the Colts are pretty good, especially, uh, I think, rushing-wise, they were pretty good. Uh, they held the held the Bills to not too many yards, although the Bills did lose Zach Moss in this game. Only 20, yard, 20 yards rushing on seven carries. He obviously goes down. The Bills have now signed Devonta Freeman to replace him. Um, and Devin Singletary, when he stepped in, three yards, 21 carries, seven, seven yards of carries. I'm not too worried about the Bills in terms of the next round, um, in terms of their running game, uh, because I think they they can replace Zach Moss. I thought he was talented, but not impossible to replace. Josh Allen had a solid game here. I think he, he kind of put the team on his back in this game, honestly. Uh, it, it was really a struggle. You know, I think the Colts passing defense was, was pretty spectacular, but I thought the Bills passing offense was just that much better. Um, we saw Stephon Diggs come alive in the second half. 128 yards receiving, one touchdown. And then Gabriel Davis kind of sealed the game for the Bills in, the, in that fourth quarter where you saw Gabriel Davis hit like three or four toe-tap uh, receptions in a row. Uh, it was pretty incredible stuff. Uh, ultimately, the Bills were better. I also think the Bills defensively, I think they have a little bit to work on. I thought Micah Hyde was pretty spectacular in this game. I remember texting the group chat that one play where he had to cover one-on-one T.I. Uh, Hilton and towards the end zone. He, he made a really nice play on the ball. Um, so I thought Micah Hyde had a really good game. Uh, ultimately, again, I think the Bills, they didn't maybe not have played their best football in this game, but I think the Colts definitely did. Uh, it's really interesting finish. You know, I, I thought the Colts could win it, but uh, obviously the Bills are just that much better of a team. Even when they're not playing at their best, they're still better than the Colts' best. So uh, Bills come out on top. That's, that's what I got to say about the game, uh, Matt. Yeah. Uh, in another universe, this Colts team is run by Andrew Luck, and they just completely obliterate the Bills in this game. I'm just going to put that out there because for all those Colts fans that are listening in, because, you know, it, it's, you know, I have the corpse of Phillip Rivers and before that, Jacob Brissett. So it's definitely been hampered by quarterback play, despite, you know, Phillip Rivers did play well. I will give him that. But, you know, he's nothing compared to what Andrew Luck at his height would have been at this time. Um, but I think really this Bills team got off to a slow start, mainly because of like how their drives went, you know, like they had a three play drive or uh, late in the first half, late in the first quarter that started their Buffalo 11. You know, a lot of these drives, if you look at the, um, the, the scoreboard, actually, if you look at all, all the drives that they show it, a lot of them started like pretty, you know, Indianapolis 30, Indianapolis 35, Indianapolis 25 bills. A lot of the time were built Buffalo three, Buffalo six, Buffalo 11. So I think that really made, the beginning of this game really slow for the Buffalo Bills. I think that obviously if, if a little of those punts end a little bit earlier, they're able to bring them out a little bit more. I think you could probably uh, see this game going a little bit more in favor of Buffalo. But yeah, I mean, Indianapolis played fine in this game. Like they, they played the win and they did everything they could. It's just like, you know, one or two plays there that cost them like at 10 points, uh, 10 point swing. So, I mean, it's really just, I'd be disappointing for them because like, you know, I, I, I argue it's even worse than playing bad and getting blown out because like, at least it's like, okay, like the game's over. It's not, you know, we just played poorly. Like this is just like you, you had this game really. That's all I have to say. I mean, like I, I know that going for on fourth and 10, I know they almost had it or whatever fourth and goal. Um, and they almost had that play with Michael Pittman, but like, if you kick the field goal there and you know, Robert Blankenship, uh, Rodrigo Blankenship doesn't like shank that field goal later on, you know, you're, you're swinging at Wayne here. So, I mean, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, like this Colts team, I honestly think they should run it back if Philbert wants to play again. If not, um, 
you know, I'm not really sure what they do with the quarterback situation from here on. I mean, like, I don't think Philly's getting rid of Carson Wentz anymore, really, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think that's really going to be a possibility now with a new coach. But um, yeah, that's really, I, I don't, I have no idea where Indianapolis goes from here, though. Yeah, I'm almost completely with, with Matt on this one. You know, I was really going to focus heavily on, and I said this in a POV that I did in the Instagram page. I focused on the fourth and goal they went for, they didn't get it, and the miss by Rodrigo Blankenship. And, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say the Colts were undisciplined. They were poorly coached. I think they were coached greatly. I don't think I don't think a team with that with inferior talent like that is in a game like this without good coaching. But you know, and against a team like the Bills, you have to do everything near perfectly. And the Colts were not perfect. It comes down to every little thing you have to execute. They did not do that. Unfortunately, you're not. You can only contain you know Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs for so long. And at the end of the day, it just wasn't possible. So you know, good effort by the Colts here by saying the better team won this game. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's it's weird to like say that because like like I feel like that the Colts played just like so well, you know, and I really think that like they were like, you know, honestly, like look like a better team like this game. But obviously just like, you know, like like you say, it's kind of like with the Chiefs, like if you don't play it perfectly, like you're just going to get you're just going to lose the game. That's really all it comes down to. And I mean, it was still was a three point game. But I honestly think that like if um if they did make a field goal early in the game, this was tied. And then Zach Pascoe fumbles that ball, which he did. I think that the Bills would still drive down and win this game. Just saying. I, I honestly would be so confident this team going into overtime. So, hundred percent. I think that, as Max had said, is you got to play perfect. And I don't think the Colts did. I think they played their best football. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's just they're not perfect, and it wasn't enough. And going back to that play, which I totally forgot that Pittman drop was on a fourth down. I still don't, to this to this time don't understand like why they called that play. Um, and I think a lot of people are questioning. You know, why go for it on fourth in that situation when you can get a field goal. Uh, get you three points, you know, not ideal. Obviously, you you want the touchdown, but, uh, you know, in a game that's as tight as that one and points are coming at a premium, you take the field goal. And I, I would stand by that. Like, yeah, to this I feel day. like the big reason they went for that is because they thought, okay, we're underdogs here. We just want to make a statement. We're going to do what we can. We're going to be aggressive win this game. But there comes a certain point where you're being over aggressive. Yeah, the Colts are underdogs, but not huge underdogs. Everyone knew they had at least some part of some kind of a chance. So you just got to play your, you know, just play smart and they didn't play smart there. Yeah. Shout out to mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor too. I mean, like in this game, I know we're kind of like going very long in this game, but you know, just seeing like they had 163 rushing yards too. I think Jonathan Taylor had like a good portion of them. He's 78 of them, you know, with a touchdown, um, you know, like it was 3.7 average, you know, it wasn't too great, but I mean, the guy still like was performing and like, you could tell like when you're watching the game that he actually had like some, like he, you know, he had it, I guess, like besides like saying like the cliche thing, like he had it, like you can tell he actually had some skill there. So I'm really excited to see what he does next season too with the Colts. Cause I think that having that running game, as we're going to talk about later with the Steelers, not having it, it's such a detriment for an aging quarterback. So just having that is like definitely going to, if Philip Rivers does come back, I think that they're, des- they're destined for success. Mm-hmm, totally. Um, with that being said, I guess we'll move on to the next game. We have the Seahawks and the Rams. Uh, unfortunately for the Seahawks, because I picked them, uh, the Rams take the game 30 to 20. Uh, pretty interesting game here. I don't personally don't think this game was ever competitive from the get-go just because of uh, how bad the Seahawks offensive line played down the stretch. I don't think they really gave the Seahawks much of a chance to, to win this game. Uh, DK Metcalf, 96 yards for touchdowns, which was pretty good for him, right? Um, 77 rushing yards for Carson, uh, Chris Carson, and then he had 50 for Russell. Uh, Russell Wilson uh, threw that pick six, which which really hurt them. Uh, but two touchdowns, 174 yards, not a spectacular game out of him. Uh, I guess more of the story was the Rams, especially offense, being able to pick up as many points as they did um, with the quarterback switchover. Obviously, Walford starts the game, uh, come, comes out, unfortunately has to go to the hospital due to a questionable hit by Jamal Adams. And just touching on that, which you guys can respond to this. I personally don't think it was that dirty of a hit. A, Walford was sliding forward. B, Jamal Adams led with the shoulder pad and not his helmet. So I'm not too angry at Jamal Adams. You know, I think you kind of saw him sliding. He probably should have pulled up, but at the end of the day, it wasn't the dirtiest of hits I've seen. Uh, but Jared Goff steps in, obviously, 12, 13 days after his uh, thumb surgery, and he performs pretty well. I have to say he, he managed the game pretty well in the circumstance that he had to step in. 155 yards and a touchdown. Didn't look bad. That's a good sign. I'm not sure what the updated status of Wolford is, but, uh, you know, if, they, if they're going to go with Jared Goff next week, uh, I don't think it should be too much of an issue. Golf seemed pretty comfortable for the most part uh, stepping in for, for the Rams. Cam Akers, spectacular game out of him. That running game was really good for the Rams, and I think it's, it's a big part of the offensive uh, release, uh, you know, relieve rather, 
that golf got. Cam Akers, 131 yards and a touchdown. And then passing-wise, you had Coop Cup with 78 yards and then Woods with 48 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, I think it was, it was a team W for, for the Rams. I don't think it was a specific player that really led anything. Um, besides, you know, probably Aaron Donald on defense might be one person they sticks out. And obviously it's Aaron Donald, right? But the numbers show two sacks. Can't argue with that. Um, I pick one player on the Rams to beat him. But uh, ultimately, you know, I just think it was, it was a pretty good team win for the Rams here. And it's, it's unfortunate the Seahawks, I think, were pretty much let down, in my opinion, you know, a little bit by their defense, but more so by their offensive line. Matt? Yeah, um, this was just like such a boring game to watch. Honestly, I mean, like I, I don't mind defensive games. Totally agree. I don't. I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind like a three to six, like six to three. Like it's fine. Like, but you got to have some offense sprinkled in there. You know, like even like at least some pushing of the ball downfield. You know, at least some attempt at it. And it just seemed like these both of these teams were just like like they were like if I win this game six three like that's a win for me. Like I, I I just I don't know. It was definitely like really boring early on. It got a little bit more exciting later, especially with the pick six by Russell Wilson or uh, that was like at least exciting. I mean, sure if not Seahawks fans, but it was a little bit exciting to watch. Um, but yeah, credit to this Rams team. I mean, like both defenses played really well. I think honestly, <laughs> I might be in the minority when I say this, but I think John Wolfer, if he didn't get knocked out, I think he probably would have played better than Jared Goff still um, just as a hot take. I think that Jared Goff is not great. I think we can kind of agree on that, but he did do what was needed of him today. You know, I mean, what do you have? He had like nine for 19, 155 and one, not something you really want to look at and smile and be like, we did a good job there. And they're going to need more next week against green Bay. But uh, yeah, I mean like this is, this is what you expected from a Los Angeles defense. that was like, we thought was the best defense in the league. One of the best defense in the league. I mean, we talked about this, Nick, like on our previous podcast, about like how we thought the Rams were like a top five NFL team just because of this defense. And then they lose to the jets and we're like, Oh my God, like what do we, did we just curse them or something? But, if this defense comes out to play and Cam Makers, you know, does what he needs to do and you move the chains with Jared Goff, even if it's for nine for 19, you still move the chains like and you get some points on the board. I mean, like that is a Super Bowl defense. Like I'm like, that's that's not debatable at this point, honestly, like this Jalen, Jalen Ramsey, you know, uh, Aaron Donald, even playing at 75 percent, you know, Darius Williams with the pick. Um, you know, there's a lot of different players in this team that you can like go into and like really talk about how they've been so important for this team. Uh, but man. Let, let Russ cook definitely has gone from let Russ cook to let Russ like microwave, I guess at this point, let Russ order takeout. Cause I, I don't, what the hell are they doing? I really don't know what the Seahawks are really going at. Just like what this is like your peak, honestly, I think. Yeah, I was honestly, I've been disappointed with the Seahawks ever since the, um, especially since the second half of the year on, you know, they did get better on defense, but it seemed to cause them in the form of a good offense. Not saying it wasn't a good offense, but they seem to definitely take a step back and, Looking at this game, it was obvious to me the whole time that the Rams were just one step ahead of the Seahawks, or or if not more, and that 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 defense of the Rams really owned this game. And yeah, the offensive line for the Seahawks was a huge issue. They just couldn't get anything going. And yeah, I mean, I just don't really have anything more to say. They were just outplayed by the better team. It seemed like. You know, honestly, what's so disrespectful is that they were doing so well at the beginning of the season with having Russ Cook, but like he did have some more turnovers during the first part of the season. And I guess that kind of made Pete Carroll want to, to tone it back on offense. But I think they fired Brian Schottenheimer um, this, like, yesterday, I think. Yeah, I think I, so. They, yeah, they want to go into a more run-heavy offense. I just – I don't really get it. I mean, like, you you have Russell Wilson, like, this entire time. Like, Russell Wilson can definitely air out that ball and can, like and, – and keep your offense in the game. It's like, why are you just, like, limiting him by just – by running Chris Carson up the middle every for, like, two yards every single play? Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. The one thing about this organization that's all not the one thing, but one of the things about this organization that's kind of baffled me over the years is they've just done nothing to address that offensive line. And I don't think they're going to really get better until they do that. Yeah, Dwayne Brown, though, I think, right, too. They had, I mean, that was really the only thing I can think of that they really did. That was like a big one. But um, the, Sean McVay has Pete Carroll's number. I'm sorry. Like, I think it's like, what, like 6-3 now against him? He's, he's got his number. Like, that's really it. Yeah, 100%. When I'm thinking of all the Russell Wilson highlights I've seen over the years, how many times is it Russell Wilson scrambling outside the pocket to make a spectacular throw? Obviously, you have his deep balls, but I think the majority of his, his best highlights are him having to scramble outside the pocket. And it's a result of them not wanting to address the defensive line at all. You know? Yeah, it's just like, like I remember they brought up something in the Pete Carroll interview too. And he was like, their teams are playing like cover two against us all the time. So they want to run the ball more or get them out of that look. But like, if, if I'm an opposing defensive coordinator, right, and I see you have Russell Wilson, I'm not going to leave cover two. Like, I'm just going to let you do like three run, three yard runs up the middle. 
I'm just going to sit and cover two because I don't I don't want you to to throw a 50 yard bomb past me to DK Metcalf. You know, I'd rather you go up middle, and maybe get a fumble or get a mistake. You know, like so I don't really understand Pete Carroll's reasoning. Maybe you should help Russell Wilson instead of trying to run the ball more and trying to sway away from Russell Wilson's struggles against cover two. Maybe you should actually help your quarterback at least you know play better against cover two because the fact that he's you know, like arguably in, like an MVP candidate when he's airing out the ball like this and he still can't do well against cover two is a little bit concerning in my opinion. So definitely, definitely. Um, so I guess that being said, we'll go on to the next game, which I thought was another not overly exciting game. Uh, we had the Buccaneers uh, versus Washington football team. Uh, Washington was home, but they lost to the Buccaneers 31 and 23. Again, I didn't think this game was overly competitive, but uh, I saw two things that sort of intrigued me. Uh, or I guess three things. A, the Buccaneers can compete, right? Uh, Brady, 381 yards, two touchdowns. Leonard Fournette, 93 yards and a touchdown. Um, obviously picking up a lot of carries there without Ronald Jones. Um, Antonio Brown had a nice 22-yard run. Antonio Brown, I think, stepped up pretty well in this game in terms of being able to score a t- uh, touchdown and then be able to run the ball, being versatile. Uh, Mike Evans, 119 yards for him. Chris Godwin, 79 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Brady coming in with 80 yards. So being able to pass the ball around a lot and not relying on one player. Um, you know, it's it's sort of a staple of Brady being able to utilize a lot of different players, you know, but he always has so reliables. Uh, so, you know, I think it's a good sign from the Buccaneers. And I'm really interested to see how they're going to handle this next step against the Saints. But um, obviously looking at the Washington side of things, where I think there's, there's probably more to talk about, honestly, even though they're a losing team. And that defensive line put up a pretty good game for them, right? Deron Payne with two sacks. You had, you had Sweat with a sack. Um so, you know, be, being able to generate some pressure there was pretty solid. Um, so, you, I think what the, they had three yeah, sets, something like that. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, being able to generate some pressure there was pretty big for them. But uh, I think the most interesting story of the game is the way that Taylor Henneke stepped in. And I think he kind of helped this Washington team. Uh, their morale just seemed different, you know, not the same as Wayne Haskins. With, with Wayne Haskins, they just don't seem like they're ready to compete. But Taylor Henneke, I feel like, put the team on his back. Not a spectacular quarterback in terms of talent. But I think the motivation is there, and he may be the answer, at least temporarily, for Washington at the quarterback position with Alex Smith probably departing after this year. Um, or, or probably not gonna, I know they don't want to rely on him too much longer because he his age. Quinn Haskins now being gone. Uh, Taylor Henneke, 306 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Again, and nothing spectacular, but also a 46-yard uh, yard rushing and touchdown. I forgot about his rushing touchdown as well. Um, we saw him dive to that pylon. You know, I just think a different motivation with him, and I think – it's the spark that Washington needs. And I think, you know, at least having a player like him, you know, the talent may not be there, but I think having a player like him at quarterback where he could be a leader and somebody that helps energize the team could play a big factor. I think moving forward, obviously Buccaneers more talented team here uh, executed better down the stretch. Um, I didn't think this one was over, you know, overly competitive the entire time. I thought Buccaneers had it the entire game, but uh, you know, spark for Washington that I really didn't expect to Taylor Hickey. So that was that was kind of fun to watch, Matt. Yeah, this game was definitely more interesting than the Rams Seahawks game, though, in my opinion. I mean, that's not really a high bar to hit, but um, yeah, Taylor Hickey made it this game way more interesting than I thought it was going to be. Uh, it's this is really an indictment on Dwayne Haskins, I guess. Which sorry, Dwayne, but like it, like he stepped in this undrafted free agent, I believe, right? Taylor was and just I mean he performed. I mean, like this is a, this is a solid Bucks defense and. You know, 26 for 44, 306 and one with a rushing touchdown and you know a pick, obviously, which I think was a tip ball, if I remember right. I think it was, right? I think it was. Um, and this was but, his second start in the NFL ever, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, th- that's what I'm saying. Like, I think, like, I- I've heard this a lot on Twitter, too, which I think this guy, I know as a joke, but I think seriously, like, I think he, like, has earned, like, a backup job for the very least, like, the next five years because, like, you know, NFL teams are looking at this and, like, you know, you performed well. And I, I honestly would not feel bad if I was Washington and I had him on my roster next year and I was like, you know, and I brought another QB and I had some sort of competition for them because I mean, like, look, like, I don't think he's a long-term answer just because like, it's such a small sample size. We don't know, but Hey, maybe you, maybe you have something here. And I mean, like a seven and nine season, you know, with a wild card loss with like, at least you see the potential in offense. You see Cam Sims stepping up seven for one Oh four, you know, Terry McLaurin didn't even have to carry the entire load for this offense this time. So I just think the future is really bright in Washington. As long as Dan Snyder stays out of anything and like they, they focus on you know, Ron Rivera and getting a good team together, I really think the future is really bright for this team. But, man, what I really want to focus on is just I, – I, I hated Brady like in in the Patriots. Like I just couldn't stand him just running. Like, every time the Steelers would win a divisional game, 
I would, I'd be, and again, the conference team, I'd be like, okay, like this, our season's over. Like if we got to go into Foxborough, we lost, like it was just impossible to win there. And I just hated him for it. But seeing him gone now and just watching him perform well, it's just really like, you have to appreciate greatness at one point. And like, I, I, I just, I don't really know how you can hate the guy. I mean, like you can hate him on like, I guess whatever level you want as a fan, but like at, at the, and like I'm taking a step back, you can really see how much like just appreciating the greatness you see. Cause he's still performing at such a high level. Like you look at like a, uh, like big, big Ben, and um and Drew Brees and like they're nothing compared to what Brady is right now. And if you keep if, if Tampa Bay can keep him standing up for the rest of the offseason, or sorry, rest of the playoffs, and then also he stays during the offseason, obviously doesn't retire or anything, and then they can keep him standing next year too. I mean, the sky's the limit with this team. That's why I think that's why I picked him uh, last week in order to actually be a Super Bowl team. I think this team is really intriguing and, and Tom Brady's just proving why he's the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah, looking at this game, I'm really proud of both teams, honestly. I'll start with Washington because you, this is a team that we've known them just for failing and having all kinds of drama. Look at them this year now. We, we already talked about what Ron Rivera and Alex Smith did, but then even defying all odds and having a quarterback no one expects to do well, and he puts he puts up a good fight. He doesn't win the game, but I think that's just the matter of you're not you're just the inferior team. It's yeah, I. I I find it weird to say I can't speak enough about the Washington team, but they really perform well. And I think I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of the opinion that, I mean, I, I don't know that Heineke is a long-term solution, but in as say you don't get a quarterback in, in the draft, which it's looking like they probably won't because at 19, they're, you're not going to get one of the better quarterbacks on the board. And I don't, and at least seeing what Heineke did, I don't think you're, it's worth trading up. Maybe get another weapon because I don't think, because Terry McLaurin's good, but I don't know if Cam Sims is a true number two receiver. So maybe get him more help, see what you got in him, and maybe give, give him some competition. And it doesn't work out, just take one quarterback next year. You're, I mean, you're not expected necessarily to win anyway. Moving on to the Buccaneer side of things, you know, everyone keeps talking about how you know Brady looks like he's maybe done. I even thought after watching him last year that he was probably done. And he's not. He just, it's just the same. It's almost not maybe the same quarterback you've seen, but a pretty similar quarterback who just does well in the playoffs. And they put up 31 points. You know, looking at next week against the Saints, you know, they beat them. Saints have obliterated them, obliterated them twice this year. But you got playoff Brady. And I'm not going to spoil my prediction now because that's in, for another episode. But I think you have a really, really interesting matchup there. Yeah, this, this game honestly had no right to be this fun, honestly. And I think that, um, Definitely both teams should be happy with how they performed. I mean, maybe, you know, Tampa Bay left some points on the board, I think, like during the game when I was watching. I really thought they could have at least scored more. But, you know, it's definitely been a, a fun game overall. And I think it's going to be really exciting next week when Tampa Bay has to visit New Orleans. Definitely, definitely. Uh, with that being said, going on to the next game, Ravens-Titans. Uh, Ravens take this one 20-13. <laughs> um, unfortunately for Max, unfortunately for me, because the Titans were the playoff team that I got in this little lottery system that I do with my friends. Um, I need the Titans to at least cover the, the spread, and they didn't do that either. Uh, tough game for the Titans here, you know. Uh, and to simply put, just to start off, why the Ravens won this game, it was their run defense, in my opinion. Their ability to stop Derrick Henry from generating a ton of yards was really the key factor here in, in, in shutting down this Titans offense. I mean, Derrick Henry, 18 carries and 40 yards, not a typical Derrick Henry performance by any means. Um, and I think additionally, uh, I think the Ravens offense kind of performed decent down the stretch, you know, but, um, you know, look, same with the Titans, honestly. I thought they were pretty good passing wise. Ryan Tannehill, uh, okay game from him, 165 yards, one touchdown, one reception. He had that one reception where in the last drive where his receiver slipped and Peters picked it off. I don't think it was a spectacular throw to begin with, but to say the interception is 100% his fault is iffy. However, on that same play, AJ Brown was over the top, uh, open for a streak on the left side of the field, which is something that. Ryan Tannehill miss. I don't think he was terrible in this game. I don't think he was great in this game either. I thought he was okay. Uh, AJ Brown, I think though, really put the team on his back here. I mean, he made spectacular. He made a ton of spectacular plays here. Six receptions, eighty-three yards, and one touchdown. You know, he was essentially the reason. He, he was the the reason this this Titans offense was even alive uh, for a good portion of the game. Uh, being able to generate yards and, and really out muscle uh, Humphreys, and I think that they eventually did put Peters on him, and neither neither corner could really cover him successfully. Um, and then looking at the Titans defense, I thought they were pretty solid, honestly. I think this is one of the better Titans performances in defense. I just thought Lamar was, was how, however good the Titans defense was able to perform in this game. Lamar Jackson did that much better, especially on the ground. 
Because I thought, especially looking at the first half of the game, they shut down that Ravens offense for the most part. Uh, you know, you had two sacks from, from Landry. You had a sack from Reed, and you also had a sack from Dickerson. So, you know, considering who you were sacking, right, you also had a sack from Jones. Um, considering who you're sacking, right, Lamar Jackson, that's pretty good numbers. And I think, you know, I think they held their passing game down pretty well, especially in that first half. Uh, but if you were watching the game, you saw it wasn't enough. Lamar Jackson, uh, you know, there's a little pocket opens up in the middle. Lamar Jackson takes off for, I think it was like a 60-yard rush to, to up and around the fields for for a touchdown. Um, you know, it's just so hard to contain him. You know, Lamar Jackson, 179 yards passing, 17-24 interception, no touchdowns. I don't think it was a spectacular passing game for him. I thought he was okay. But rushing-wise, you know, that's where the, the, the Titans really couldn't cover him. Um, and I don't think any team really can cover him that successfully. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, are the Bills going to be able to, to slow down Lamar Jackson because the Titans couldn't in this playoff game. 136 yards rushing for Lamar Jackson in a touchdown. Um, and then if J.K. Dobbins, I thought was pretty solid this game, 43 yards and a touchdown. Uh, I want to say this about Marquise Brown. For as bad as he's been in, in regular season, he performed very well in this game. He was able to get some separation. He made a lot of good catches and, and tight contested catches, which we expected him to do this season, but he really hasn't. But, of course, you know, I've had him all year in fantasy. Did not perform with my expectations. Comes in this playoff game and he performs. Um, and then Ravens defensively-wise, I don't think they were spectacular in this game. I just thought, besides their run D, I thought their, their passing D was okay. Uh, and that's something that might be exposed in, in, with the Bills. Because uh, Look, if, if the Titans can, can generate as much passing offense as they did against his Ravens passing D, how the Bills going to do much? I think the Bills next to the Chiefs are the best passing offense in the league. How, how are the Ravens going to be able to handle that? I, I don't know, but a tough loss for the Titans here, especially out the gate, especially in that first quarter. They look so good, uh, and then they kind of fell down o- o- over the span of the game. Matt? Yeah, this is like, if you're a Ravens fan, you're you're really happy with this result, mainly because of a lot of the narratives were like broken here. I know I saw at the beginning of the game when Titans uh, went up 10 nothing. Uh, they said that Lamar Jackson never come back um, from down t- zero, um, nothing to, to 10. And, you know, like they're able to do that, you know, and it's just like it's it's something that's that's really, uh, I guess, like kind of like breaks like a lot of like or kind of like frees Lamar of a lot of demons that he had, I guess, from like just like, you know, not being able to win a playoff game, not being able to come back down from more than 10, you know, not being able to pass the ball effectively, which they did honestly at times. But yeah, his 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 rushing potential, like with Lamar, has definitely changed this team, man. I mean, like they had 236 rushing yards the entire team, and Lamar had 136 of them. Like it's crazy, and I think like 48 or 50 of those came from like that one run. But like that was that was one of the greatest quarterback runs I've ever seen, like by far. Like that in the in the in the setting it was in, that completely changed the game. And honestly, like credit to the Ravens defense for at least like like we were talking about in the pre-game discussion of this about how we thought that the Ravens defense needed to come and come to play for them to win this game because the Tennessee Tennessee defense was nothing compared to the Ravens offense so we thought that this game was really going to come down to the to the Baltimore defense and Tennessee offense which it did at times but really um the Titans defense did put up a good showing here I mean like you know they they actually did come to play I mean minus I thought I saw one play Max I'm not, you can comment on it too but I saw one where that the Lamar Jackson run uh I think Kevin Biard or whatever Kim Bird um like just kind of like just like stopped running and he just like kind of like was like just like gave up he's like I'm not catching him and I was just kind of like really funny about how like the Titans players kind of I think kind of gave up on that run but uh yeah I mean like they came to play and they still had a chance to win this game but can we just talk about also the the Mike Vrabel like punt like I think what was it like on the Raven side of the field they were down by like a score and they punted the ball it was like fourth and like very for fourth and short right and they had like Derrick Henry and you know like oh this this great rushing attack and this great offense and they punt the ball like I mean, I know your defense was playing well, but like you, I don't know why as a Titans fan, you'd want your defense being trusted to get a stop rather than trusting your prolific offense to get, you know, a fourth down conversion. I just, I don't really get that. Yeah, I think everything you guys are saying is pretty much right here. I mean, yeah, the big story of the game, Ravens finally figured out how to stop Derrick Henry. And, you know, it was one of those things where I thought the, I thought that our offense had done a pretty good job all year in the past game, even though, you know, or Derrick Henry was definitely the focal point of the offense, but, you know, this is an offense that relies on being so balanced and exposed that we, you know, do rely, definitely do rely on that run game. So I think, you know, definitely in the off season, get some more weapons for Ryan Tannehill, probably, probably going to lose Corey Davis. Maybe keep him. I don't know. Either way, I think you got to give him some more weapons because, 
I don't think that, you know, it, I think this game showed an offense that runs through four players. It was Tannehill, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis and Derrick Henry, maybe Anthony Ferks or a little bit. Pretty much those four players are responsible for carrying load of this offense, and that's not really sustainable. you got to modify your game plan a little bit, and that'll probably that, that'll happen because we're going to lose Arthur Smith to a head coaching job. At this point, it just seems like not a matter of if but when uh, he's gone. So defensively, I was happy. I was happy with the performance. I, I don't think as much say the pass rush, which is which was like our biggest weakness, got five sacks on him beginning 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 of the game. Contained Lamar, but you, you can't do that the whole game. He'll burn you. And I'm not really I'm not mad at the defense. I think they did what they could. I just don't think they're good enough. And I think it just goes to show that the team itself. I think we all could agree coming in, this team wasn't you know, good enough and have the personnel and talent to quite all that to make a Super Bowl run. Your work will be done in the offseason. I'm not too worried. I think there's a good chance we can get back there. You know, with Ryan Tannehill, a quarterback, him being not a good but not great player, that probably um, raises a little bit of doubt moving forward. But I, I do think, you know, with the right team, I think we can get there. But we, have to, we have to have, like, a near-perfect offseason. Last, last offseason was, was a disaster. I, I mean, safe to say I expect better than that. If that doesn't – if we're not better than that, I think we can start to call John Robinson's job into question. But there's a lot of work to be done this offseason. You know, don't let the performance in this week fool you. Our pass rush the whole year had been terrible. you got to address that. Get some more wide receivers, maybe some more depth in the secondary. But, you know, just a lot of critical, a lot of critical decisions to be made. So I, I hope things go well. Yeah, it definitely was um, just a very – it's very it's odd to see, like, how well the – Titans defense play this week, but definitely like not to fool anybody with it because they were they were bad, man. Honestly, I think that um, this is like we're just an outlier, really. And I'm glad they came to play though. That just really shows their their fight for it. But um, honestly, I, I think that Tannehill, honestly, like if you just give him another weapon, honestly, not even. I think if you just, I don't know, depending on how much Corey Davis asks, right? If you, I don't know how you feel if you just resign Corey Davis and you know, have the Corey past Davis. three games he didn't perform well. Um, even this game he was hurt, so he didn't play a lot. Which yeah. obviously that's twenty when you like I said when you take a 25 percent of your offense effectively that's that's a huge blow yeah so i mean i mean don't let's not say that one game should judge the guy i mean he he did very well all year he might just he might just be a like a piece or two short yeah on exactly. offense and, and i'm thinking you know going beyond the titans back to the ravens do you guys think the ravens would be the same team if they had like a pocket passer think about it you know a decent possible pocket passer because it's hard to judge put like a brady or Aaron Rodgers in there but um I don't know, like a Matt Stafford or somebody, you know, a little bit better than Matt Stafford, like, you know, a decent pocket passer. I don't think this Ravens team would be that spectacular. Not because, with their weapons. Yeah, yeah no, not, not, with, with, not with their weapons. Exactly. Like, you put a good quarterback in there that's not Lamar Jackson and have that dual threat ability. I just don't see this Ravens team going anywhere. That's that's how crucial Lamar Jackson is to this Ravens, especially the team as well as that, especially that offense. Yeah, it's honestly, like, pretty surprising to see, like, um, like how like how much they rely on him, you know. I really thought that it was gonna be like okay, like more of more of J.K. Dobbins, you know, more of Mark Ingram, but in like less of rushing because you don't want him to turn into like Cam, right? Where like I know not like in a bad way, but just like you know, you don't want him to get dinged up a bunch and then like have him like be a shell of himself. But honestly, I don't want to get into it too much. But I'll only to say is I think the the pocket passer quarterback minus the elite ones like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady is dead. I mean, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert, like, they don't, like, stand in the pocket, like, all the time. Like, they still run at least a little bit. Like, they can still move with their legs. Like, anybody who's, like, Tom Brady, it's, like, honestly, like, I don't think – I don't see another quarterback actually performing like that in really any situation unless they're, like, like a great one like like TB, so. All right, so going on to our next game, we have the Saints and the Bears. Uh, Saints win this one 21-9, was never really competitive. Something that I kind of expected. The only thing that we had questions about was, you know, Evan Kamara coming back from – COVID, as well as them not having Trey Hendrickson, how would that affect them? Uh, slightly, maybe, but uh, nothing crazy. Kamara, 99 yards and 23 carries and a touchdown uh, rushing, but obviously we know Kamara and his dual threat ability to 17 yards receiving, nothing great there. Um, not one of the greater games you've seen out of Kamara, but definitely not a bad game. Uh, Drew Brees was, was pretty good, 265 yards, two touchdowns, 39 passing attempts, 28 completions. Uh, we saw Taysom Hill come back in at quarterback near the goal line and try to like rush it and then throw a ball over the top unsuccessful. Um, you know, I think the Saints team is pretty good. I think uh, their offense w- was pretty good here. I don't think there's anything spectacular. Uh, we saw Harris with 83 yards receiving, Michael Thomas 73 yards and a touchdown. Again, I think offensively nothing spectacular. <clears throat> I thought their defense was was okay here. Nothing spectacular. You know, I don't think it was a spectacular game out of the Saints by any means, but. Um, and the Bears, I think, were just the inferior team. At the end of the day, they just could not compete. Mitch Trubisky, 199, 199 yards and a touchdown. 
Um, and, and honestly, this is where they probably held him. Uh, 31 yards rushing for Montgomery, and I think that's probably the best part about the Saints in this game was their ability to hold down that Bears rushing offense to pretty much nothing, as well as their passing offense, which is spectacular. Either 55 yards was their top receiver out of Robinson, who's likely gone after this season. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what the Bears go from here. I don't think it was ever really going to be competitive unless you know the, those absences from the Saints really affected them, and it seems it didn't. So now it comes to the question, uh, Saints versus Buccaneers, Next round, and then what are the Bears going to do uh, going moving forward? You know, are they going to keep Mitch Trubisky? It seems from what I've seen and from his performances that they're not going to re-sign him, but it's always a possibility. Who knows? Uh, but who, uh, And then the Bears, obviously, doesn't seem like they're going to re-sign Robinson. Robinson, I think, put out a statement that it's like we had all year to discuss a new contract, and it didn't happen. So it seems like the Bears are going to move on for Robinson, too. So. A lot of question marks for the Bears moving forward. I don't think this game was, again, ever going to be competitive unless those absences affected them, and it didn't. Uh, Saints won this one, I think, pretty handily. Matt? Yeah, I mean, it it got interesting a little bit early in the game. Like, I was watching, oh, my God, like, I'm not a Bears fan, but I don't know who was it, Javon Wims? Somebody dropped that, dropped that beautiful dime by Trubisky into the end zone, and which should have been a touchdown, which would have made the game 7-all. And I really think that honestly changed the outlook of the game. And it, it that drove me mad, man. I just hate bad football. So, you know, just seeing that drop was just like really horrifying for me. But I mean, Bears fans, the positive is it didn't actually matter because you still lost by more than seven. But I think that if they if they did actually successfully um, get that touchdown, you know, you have seven all and then the Saints miss a field goal. You know, and then, I mean, if you, if you follow the same order, right, then it's a punt. Then the Saints fumble the ball, and then the, the Bears get a field goal. Then the Bears are up 10-7, you know. Like, it's just – I know that the game would have changed maybe a lot more than that with a butterfly effect, but it's just interesting to see about how this game could have been interesting a little bit more uh, early in the game because, honestly, the Bears, if a little bit more offensive showing, could have actually won this. I mean, I thought they did fine at the beginning of the game when they were they were chucking the ball deep, you know, they on that drive, you know, they – they look like they're actually doing something with it. And they kind of like, just like moved away from it. I don't really get it, but yeah, I said this before the game too. Like, I think this is the ceiling for this Bears team. Just, you know, eight and eight, nine and seven season, get into the playoffs. You get dunked on by another team. Um, and then you come in the next season where you're like, okay, what do we do now? And then it's kind of like all the same thing. So I don't really know why Ryan Pace is allowed to pick another quarterback um, this year. Like after failing on the last like three or like two, I don't really know how long he's been there, but he's like, I think it was like two or three quarterbacks he got the pick. So um, it's it's definitely odd to like let him do this still. I don't really know why there's like no changes coming. They said they're fine with it. I guess it's a little bit too late now, right, to like fire a coach. I mean, the Eagles did it, but still it'd be kind of um, imprudent to do it right now. But I think honestly, if I'm a Bears fan, what I would what I would like to them to do, which I mean, it might not be popular, is I know that Trubisky is not a popular pick, but there's nothing else to do besides Nick Foles. I would honestly just re-sign Trubisky for like a year or two. Well, I'm like I'm not I'm not talking record-breaking deal, obviously. Like I'm talking something like we can get him for like two years, twenty million. Like I've been saying, like I, I think that's you know an out in second year. I think that's fine. You know, I think it's fair. Like just you know, because if if he if he does suck, right, then you clear house next year. You get rid of Ryan Pace. You get rid of Matt Nagy. You get rid of Mitchell Trubisky, and then you got all of them off on the clean slate. The same thing. So, um, and then you can shave down from there. So honestly like that's like i think the best thing you can get right now because they're definitely staying next year so i mean i don't know what this bears team's going to be doing from here on out but this saints team can win in a lot of different ways and you know even though their offense didn't really score that much scored 21 on this bears team you know they, they still were able to comfortably win this game so definitely impressive showing from them yeah you know this saints team they're not going to blow you away especially on the offensive side of the ball but they're going to do enough to win you the game and that's what they did here so you know nothing really surprising about their performance and for the Bears, I think all of us are in agreement. This is just a team that really didn't deserve to be here. Changes need to be made, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, they might have, they might have been slinging the ball early on. But, you know, you have three other quarters to score points, and you can't do it. So you know, I think you know, pretty clear changes need to be made you know, on the offensive side of the ball. I, I'm Nothing Trubisky's done, even in his improvements, has made me believe that he's really the answer to them long term. But, you know, the Bears are going to do nothing because they think making the playoffs is good enough and they're just going to retain everyone. I don't know why they they haven't done anything for years. That 12 and that twelve and 4 season they had a couple years ago, pretty clearly now a fluke. But I don't know what it's going to take for them to just blow it up clean house. I, I don't think I don't think another 8-8 season is going to do it, even if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't I mean, know what it's going to take. Yeah, that, that 12 and 4 season, honestly, like 
that was um like that was a what did they have the number one defense in the league that season? Like yeah, it wasn't exactly. it wasn't even like the their offensive minded head coach didn't even have like a great offense to go along with that. They were you terrible. Know? Yeah, they they were they weren't they, I mean they had they had some like up and downness of the season, but like overall, like yeah, it wasn't an impressive showing by the Bears offense in the last three years. So I mean like this, this defense really was carrying it, and now it's getting older. And like this is kind of like you know, as far as it's going to be going, it's going to be expensive. It's going to get old. It's kind of going to turn into the Eagles situation, right? Where you have like bad quarterback play, and you really don't have much outside around it if Allen Robinson leaves, and then you have a, a defense that's aging and old. So I have no idea what they do from here. And the only smart thing they've done is not sign Trubisky to a record-breaking deal. Yeah, I, I think that that moment's gone. I think that he's still. I think he's still going to bounce around. He might still stay with the Bears, but he's definitely going to be like probably a backup from from here on out. Yeah, exactly. And I also have some questions about Khalil Mack because obviously that was one of oh, the true. one of the biggest trades. I feel like he he doesn't get talked about in the news at all anymore, right? And that's because yeah. he's had a very subpar year. I'm looking at his sack totals, which I knew he wasn't as good as he's been in the past. But he had one against the Giants, half two, one 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 half one. You know, not a bad player. But one of the reasons they were twelve and four in that season is because I think the leadership of Khalil Mack and you know them acquiring him was such a big deal. And I feel like Khalil Mack has, has quietly become a, a good, you know, good for the Bears, but not that dominant player that's like, if your defense has him, you're going to compete. And I don't think that that's kind of gone away a little bit too. And that's that's kind of part of the problem. But obviously, offensively, this Bears team isn't great either. So this Bears has a lot. Bears team has a lot of holes. And as Mack said, they got Khalil Mack, and they haven't really made changes since then. They, they've been they've been okay with what they've gotten from there, and they haven't really tried to expand upon it. And twelve and four is probably the top of the team is ever going to be. And if they want to get further, they're going to have to make changes. Yeah, I think the twelve and four thing is kind of out the window at this point, man. I like their defense. Honestly, is not going to be able to keep up with it. They kind of been found out by now. Um, I mean, I'm looking at his stats too. I mean, yeah, he had like he had twelve point five sacks in 2018. He's down to nine now. And I mean, like his other stats really haven't made up for that. So, uh, I mean, he's still like I said, a great player. But you know, like you see the Aaron Donald type, right? Just overtaking games. Mm-hmm. Just, he's, I don't, I don't really see that from him that much anymore. And that, that's really where my problem was. And he's, um, and he's 29 now, so just before. That's true. He is aging as well. He's probably going to start regressing soon. Uh, we had to look peak. for that person. Yeah. Uh, with that being said, I guess the final game, Brown Steelers. This one was not competitive at all. Yeah. Um, for a second, it was like in like the last uh, third, maybe. <laughs> and it's hard for me to even say that because so we look at the final score, right? 48 to 37. In my opinion, that score is sort of deceptive because the Cleveland, Cleveland went up 28 nothing in the first quarter. And from that point on, they play extremely conservatively. You know, they really didn't try to push anything. They, they kind of just, you know, a lot of three and out type of situations, tried to run the ball out, and then allowed the Steelers to come back a little bit. But ultimately, this game was never competitive. Uh, starting on the Brown side of things, right? Very impressive. Baker Mayfield, 263 yards, three touchdowns. Great game out of him. Rushing-wise, I think there's a little bit to be desired from the Browns team, but also good there. You know, can't really complain. 76 yards from Chubb, and then... Two touchdowns from Green Hunt with 48 yards rushing. Pretty solid there. Receiving-wise, Landry, 92 yards, touchdown. Chubb, you also had a receiving uh, receiving touchdown with 69 yards. You had Hooper step in with 46 yards and a touchdown. Um, and then defensively, I, they were pretty good too, right? You, not much to talk about there. You had a uh, what you have a sack from Stewart. You had a sack from Redwine. Uh, Taki Taki? I have never heard of that. Taki Taki, yeah. Yeah. But I remember, <laughs> Taki Taki. I had never heard of him before, and you know, Zachary Augustine. Love that, love that guy. Um, His last name's fantastic. So I think you know the Browns were very good in this game, and I think they overperformed to my expectations. Um, I think it's a combination of things from the Steelers, and I'm sure Matt will get into it in a second. But uh, a, the running game was non-existent. That's where the Browns game really stepped. I think the Browns did a solid job of doing, but it's also the Steelers' fault the entire year is their inability to, to, to have any sort of rushing game. 37 yards from Connor was was their top rusher with one touchdown. Not spectacular numbers there. Um, as a result, you know, you forced Ben Roethlisberger, especially, you know, when you have your punt, your turnovers, your fumbles, and, and Roethlisberger throwing interceptions, that combination, it forced the Steelers to pass out the wazoo. And when you have a, a really aged quarterback like that, Roethlisberger, it's, you're not going to have a good result in the end. Ben Roethlisberger, which I was even surprised when I was all said and done to look at these numbers, Ben Roethlisberger threw 68 passes in this game, which is incredible. <laughs> yeah, um, you're not going to win. With ben I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah, he wow. threw he, no, and also it, it's it's he had forty seven completions, so like that was the that's Jeez. the most my completions in a game ever, I believe, too. So, and wow. as as great as that number may seem on the surface, there's an issue there. You shouldn't have to pass the ball that much, especially with Rotzenberger, and you see it once you get down in the line of the stats 500, 501 yards passing, great four four touchdowns, 
great with four interceptions. That that four turnovers is it, really I, I know it's not always one hundred percent Roethlisberger's fault, but when you have throw four interceptions, you're not going to be able to compete in the game, uh, and, and it really hurt them down the line. Uh, Juju obviously with the, with that amount of passing and the receivers did did pretty good, right? 157 yards from from Juju with one touchdown. You had Deontay Johnson step up. 19 targets. Yards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 72 yards from Washington. 62 yards from Ebron and 59 yards and two touchdowns. You touchdown from Ebron, two touchdowns from Claypool. Uh, defensively, they were pretty abysmal. I think the Steelers' defense kind of blew it there. Offensively, there were so many turnovers and, and dysfunction with that offense that uh, they just really could never compete. And I think when it's, now that it's all said and done, Steelers are – this Steelers team might be one of the worst 11 and 0 teams we've seen. Uh, A and then B, you know, don't disrespect other teams by by doing the Corvette Corvette thing because now all the Browns are doing is this Corvette Corvette. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're really taking advantage of it. Rough game for the Steelers. Uh, Matt, I'll let you take over. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like you kind of said it like a lot about the Browns team. You know, this Browns like they came they came to play, man. I can't I can't deny that. And I mean, like the Juju thing, like. Like it was, it was annoying, but like I think it was kind of like blown out of proportion sometimes. Where it's like you know, like oh, like you know, like teams are teams are definitely going to be so mad about this. I mean, like they're I, I really think that they're just trolling, like as they always are. I don't think it really meant much. I think what hurt them more was the was the Juju comment that kind of got taken out of context a little bit. But you know, it still would have hurt them all the same old Browns or whatever. But uh, the the thing I want to focus on though with this is that I you know I didn't expect a good performance from this offense at all. Like thirty percent points was impressive too, but. Something that really grinds me and just made me like a little bit annoyed is just like how this defense played. I mean, it really that's what I really want to focus on as a fan. Cause I mean, I was watching the entire game mainly because, you know, like I was I was doing it for my for my own entertainment as a fan, and also because I wanted to just like be prepared for this podcast. And it, it just was like I was like watching these drives and I'm like, dude, like like what's happening? Like this defense should be getting these stops. Like one of them that really grinded my gears so hard was before half, right? And it's the second quarter. Pittsburgh already thrown, I believe, like two interceptions. Um, yeah, two interceptions already. The Browns are twenty-eight to seven at this point, and they scored a touchdown. Um, and the Browns, after that touchdown, started to Cleveland thirty-six, and they marched sixty-four yards in a minute and a, in a minute and ten seconds, nine plays. And I'm just like, 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 what happened to this defense? Like, where is Stefan Tuitt? Where is you know, where where is um, what's it called, Cameron Hayward? You know, like where where are all these players that are supposed to be like actually performing well? You know, the TJ Watt had one tackle for a loss. I mean, like, it's just like a Baker Mayfield. I don't know. I don't think we got a sack. I'm pretty sure we didn't have a sack. So, like, I don't I just, think so either. Yeah, like, uh, like, 73 games straight with a sack. Like, like, what happened between this game and, and last game? Like, you, you literally had one week to prepare for this team, the same team, mind you. And they were down offensive starters. That's what boggles me even more. They had some random guy named Blake. Blake, like, I don't even know who that is. Yeah. Um, for me, honestly, going into this game, well, let me just say, yeah, go ahead. I really am kind of disappointed in the Steelers after everything I've seen in the past few weeks. I thought, you know, when you look at them for the past few years, they've been known for a lot of drama in the locker room with Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. Um, they had they deal with you know Mike Tallman, his job was in question too. You know, Ben Roethlisberger was adding to all the drama. And when they went eleven and zero, I thought this was a team that you know got rid of all that. They they were just winning and nothing was really happening. But then once they start losing, you can, you can see the, the culture on this team. And I, you know, Matt says it kind of, if I could see why you would think it'd be blown out of proportion. I think Matt, I think a lot of it matters too. You know, looking at Juju, for example, dancing on other teams, logos like that's sacred. You don't do that. And you don't, and all it does is just piss off the opponents and make them play harder. And I think that definitely happened definitely against the bills. And, and then like Juju saying, they're just the same old Browns. Like, yeah, that, yeah, of yeah, course that's, that's gonna make him, of course that's gonna make him play harder. And then you know, Mike going to Mike Tomlin, you know, in you know, I'm not gonna say he's not a good coach, but whenever you go into your playoff game, you look that flat against a team that hadn't had a regular practice without many offensive starters. Yeah, I, I just don't get it. And you know, it seems like we we've seen more of the Steelers of old, and I think it I think it definitely hurts them. You know, going it almost seems like they did against the Jaguars several years ago. Just going to a game, you think you're the better team, you just get completely outplayed, and you—I hate to say—almost just get what you deserve. Yeah, honestly, like this team needs a punch in the mouth. It just sucks that that punch in the mouth came so late in the season because it really didn't give them time to at least fix their issues. And I don't really know if they were fixable. I mean, like you can't really fix offensive line play in the last five games of the season. But literally, they played like maybe a half 
of a game worth of like good football in the last five games. I mean, like if you look back on it, right? Like the only good half was like that comeback against the Colts. And like you can argue like that that feverish comeback against the Browns in the third might have also been, I guess, like so I guess like a quarter and a half really of football that they played well um in the last five games. So I mean I just like I mean this is just this is Mike Tomlin's team. I mean like this is what happens in Mike Tomlin teams. They come out flat against competition and they dig themselves out of holes and they come back in a spectacular manner or they fall flat and they never recover. And that's just kind of like how it's been. I mean, like the Jaguars defeat, honestly, I feel like was more embarrassing than this one. I mean, like this is kind of like, I mean, like in my opinion, that's what I think that as a fan that the Jaguars won a couple of years ago was, was way more embarrassing than this one, but it's still embarrassing after last week coming so close and then 48 points by the Browns. I mean, I know a lot of them were, were offensive mishaps, but you can't force a field goal on one of those. Just like one, like seriously, I don't understand, but I mean, this is probably like Marquise Pouncey and Ben Roethlisberger's last game, like ever in the, in the football. I think they're retiring both of them. I mean, like it, it Marquise, Marquise Pouncey said when Ben's done, he's done. Um, and I feel like the same goes for Ben on the other way back. I think that they're Marquise Pouncey's already retiring. I know that for a fact. So I think Ben might be on his way out too. The only reason he might stay is because they're paying him $41 million next year, but I don't really know if he will at this point. Um, you know, having to break in a new center next year too. James Connor's probably gone. Juju's probably gone. I mean, it's going to be a very different looking defense next year. Bud Dupree's probably gone. So defense and offense, you know, I think it's going to be looking very different next year. And it's just going to be a lot of questions. And I, I, I'm never going to call for Tomlin's job. I think he's a fantastic coach. I'll just leave it at that. You know, like I, I think that he's he's done a lot to warrant to staying, even until like the Steelers lose, until I start seeing like consecutive losing se- seasons from him. Like, I, I really don't think he should be gone anytime soon, though. That's just all I'm going to say. Definitely, definitely. So, um, with that being said, I guess that wraps up uh, the wild card weekend. Uh, so moving on to the division round, and we'll be discussing our picks Friday. Um, do you guys have any last words? Not really. I guess just kind of um, hoping for some more exciting football because this is a really great week of football. I feel like I think that a lot of these games, minus the Seahawks game, was very exciting football. Actually, I guess the Bears game too. You can throw in there, but there was a little. The Bears game was more fun at the beginning than the Seahawks game. Hmm. Yeah, I got nothing left. All right, so if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to leave them at my email at nicklesworth10 at yahoo.com. Or if you guys are interested in working or writing, or whatever you want to do, uh, a lot of openings for the sport universe, uh, feel free to contact us, contact us at thesportuniverse2019 at gmail.com. Other than that, see you guys on Friday. Uh, you know, Looking forward to this divisional round. See you.